listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. Welcome to episode 54 of the Testudo Times Podcast with the football season now well and truly underway. We are so happy to be back to weekly and consistent shows instead of doing shows basically whenever we felt like it, which was how we did it, unfortunately, during the summer. Got a couple of people joining me. I'm your host, Matt. If you are newer to the show or you haven't listened in a while because we haven't had all that much to talk about recently, welcome back. And uh, Ryan Connors is here. Ryan, uh, how was the press box food on Saturday? Was it good? Uh, it was it was some pretty solid food. We had some Subway, which, you know, ne- never never complain about Subway. If you're complaining about Subway, you're probably in a... You're in a pretty great spot. I, uh, as a college student, I think anytime I get Subway, uh, I, I eat it. And I say, I say nothing. It's better than Sardis. I don't like Sardis, if you, if you can oh, already you, tell. You don't like, you no, don't like I Sardis? Do not, I do not like Sardis, no. Dude, I, I've never met someone who doesn't like Sardis. Well, right. you, you've met me. So, uh, and, all, and also, Thomas Kenzora is here as well. Hello, Thomas. Uh, you just covered your first football game on Saturday in person. What was that like for you? Oh, that was a blast. Um, yeah, the subway was uh, a lot of fun. Um, it was also my first time in the Gossett Auditorium for press conferences, and those are probably, you know, nicer chairs than I've sat in anywhere. I've been in and, some. You know, that's just sit and interview people. I've been in some of the interview rooms for some of the places around around campus, and uh, we get the nice in the soccer meeting room, but never got the chance to go into Gossett. But that's okay. Uh, anyway. We should talk about football because there's a lot to get to. And, of course, Maryland is on a short week this week with playing FIU on Friday instead of Saturday. So let's start by talking about Howard. It went about as well as everybody expected it would, 52-13. to Although Boston College, who was terrible, beat Howard last year 76 to nothing. So if we're going by the transitive property, last year's Boston College team is better than this year's Maryland team. I don't know. Anyway, uh, we'll start quickly by asking Ryan uh, first. What was the general theme of the game for you? Um, the general theme of the game, I think, was uh, Maryland and Howard probably shouldn't be playing each other. Um, I, I, I have no, I have no problem with Maryland playing Howard in the beginning of the season. That's fine. But uh, you know, there's, it's, you know, you got to see all the new things, which was cool. Uh, we can't really. There's just only so much you can really take away from a game like this um, because Howard was just is just in a totally different league than maryland but um you know things things were good you know maryland should have beat them by a lot and they did so you can't really be mad at them for that less than the spread but the good news is no quarterback threw an interception that was very nice yes we'll get to more of that in just a second thomas what was your big takeaway from saturday Uh, i think the biggest takeaway has to be the running game um they had six rushing touchdowns they had 315 yards um, six different guys scored one rushing touchdown, and they all had between 40 and 67 yards, I think, all six of those guys. And Perry Hills, um, you know, who ran a lot last year, isn't even on that list. Um, so, I mean, there's just going to be a lot of attacking on the ground this year. I think you're, everybody kind of see that, saw that coming, excuse me, when Walt Bell came in. He likes to run the ball a lot. He likes to run a lot of the screen passes, which he basically considers running uh, plays in general. So, Ryan, I want to get to you on that uh, sure. with the quarterbacks. 
Perry Hills had a pretty decent stat line, although I think it's really misleading because I think he may have thrown one ball that went that flew further than 10 yards in the air, or at least it seemed like that. He started, he did what he was supposed to do, and then quietly exited stage right when the game was a blowout. Uh, did we learn a lot about Perry Hills in this new system, or is it Howard and we just can't tell all that much from this game? Uh, we, we definitely learned some about Perry Hills. I think the biggest thing we learned was how well Bell is going to use Perry Hills, which is he's going to be throwing a lot of passes like right near the line of scrimmage. And, you know, obviously game plans change week to week, and, you know, Perry Hills, you know, maybe they give him a little bit more responsibility as he shows them more throughout the season. But, uh yeah, generally it's going to be a lot of short passes, which is really what you should be doing with Perry Hills because that's what he excels at. And they only threw one pass uh, longer than 15 yards, and to Perry Hills' credit, it was a completion to Teldrick Morgan. And, yeah, that's that's really all you can say is that there were a lot of passes to running backs out of the backfield, and those, all, those pretty much all turned out very well. Uh, it's... You know, I think he he had a he played very well. He did exactly what they were asked of it, what was asked of him. So, really, not 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 many bad things you can say about him. And I guess as we go on, as the games start to get harder again, FIU isn't Michigan. Let's be honest. But are we going to see the ramping up of what he's being asked to do as the season goes on? Because I I have to assume again he played a half against a very bad FCS team. But I assume that as we go on, you can't have him basically doing just that in every single game because Maryland is going to be trailing at some point in these games, and you will have to throw the ball down the field because that's what you do when you're losing. Um, I would say that it'll his game will probably advance a little bit more down the field, but it really depends on what's working because one, one thing Walt Bell said and just has harped upon throughout preseason is that he's going to do things that his – team can do and he did say at one point that uh that perry can throw a pretty good deep ball we haven't really seen any evidence of that yet but uh i think until the short game doesn't work that's what maryland's probably going to stick with that said uh i haven't watched walt bell's offense for an entire season his offense at maryland is probably still going to be a little bit different than what he ran at Arkansas State. So I don't know if we can really fully answer that question yet. Uh, I think that'll kind of just be something that we can wa that we have to wait for when it happens. I think we can answer one of these questions in a little bit of a different way than you're implying, but that will come a bit later where we talk about Tyrell Pagrom. Uh, Thomas, you were talking about the running game, and I don't know how, how many players registered a rushing yard in this game, probably like eight or nine. And this is, of course, with Perry Hills not running all that much and Wes Brown not being active. So when you think about the way this running game is going to evolve as we go through the season, we saw what we expected from Ty Johnson. You got a very much of a veteran hand, so to speak, with Trey Edmonds. Incredible explosiveness from Lorenzo Harris, and I think that was the biggest takeaway for me from the running backs. Uh, but with this running game, that's going to be the feature of this offense by hell or high water at this point because it's what Maryland has the most talent in. Uh, so how do you think the running game is going to evolve as we go – later on into the season. Do you think we see that many running backs, for instance, on Friday? Um, on Friday, maybe. Um, I don't think we'll see nearly as much of Funk or Harrison just because they're not proven enough. But if the game uh, does become even as much of a blowout as the Indiana game, Indiana beat Florida International 35-13, I believe. 
Um, if it becomes that 34, close enough. Yeah, if it becomes if it becomes that kind of blowout, I think we'll see Funk and Harrison uh, in the fourth. But um, Ty Johnson, Trey Edmonds, and Kenny Goins are listed as uh, three co-starters right now. I think maybe as the season evolves, uh, we'll start to see Goins a little more lining up as like a fullback type because he's a uh, more of a power guy than either of the other two, and then three when you count West Brown. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Although he did show good burst on one run when Maryland was at the two late in the first half and ended up pulling off like a 35-yard run, which I was not expecting that to be uh, Kenneth Goins. Uh, also, Ryan, now that we, we got a chance to see a lot of the new receivers as the game went on, and again, this offense puts a lot on them because they're going to be asked to do a lot more with the ball in their hands because a lot of the passes are short. We saw good things from Telegram Morgan, the um, – the transfer, we saw a lot of good things from DeAndre Lane as well. Uh, what stood out about the wide receivers to you? Well, I think uh, first I got to mention DeAndre Lane looked really good, and he particularly like, in the second half, I'll have to say. But sure thing. But uh, he he was went on to drag routes over the middle and got open really easily. Maybe probably won't be as open against an FBS team, but uh, who knows? We'll find out. And um, he looks like he's really going to be one of the big weapons they have at wide receiver, especially from the slot. I really liked the screen passes they threw out to DJ Moore. I think those are going to be a big part of the offense all season. Uh, I don't exactly know what happens when defenses combat that by just playing really tough press coverage against him. But I have a feeling Walt Bell probably knows what to do a lot better than I do. And, um, yeah, I think that's... Uh, you know, one of the big things that the defense that the offense requires is that receivers block downfield really well. And I thought Lane and Laverne Jacobs both did that pretty well. Mm-hmm. I, I can absolutely agree with that. Uh, anything add, Thomas? Uh, not a lot. I mean, I think uh, we'll see a lot of guys throughout it. I think they're still all, you know, kind of bunched up. I don't really think anybody has separated themselves. Um, and so. You know, we should still see a lot of players on Friday night. And I think, you know, as many as six or seven wideouts regularly during the season. I still think we're going to see probably as many, that, that many wideouts as you said, but I still think we're going to see more running backs. I think we'll see plenty of Lorenzo Harrison on Friday and as we go on, because with how quickly this offense moves, you've got to be concerned about fatigue. And if you're only using three running backs, and with all of the shuffling and getting up to the line of scrimmage as quickly as they did, I think you have to see running backs more than just the three for fatigue reasons. And I was also shocked that Maryland took the play clock down below 10 seconds multiple times. I didn't think that was going to be a thing in Walt Bell's offense, but it turned out to be a thing. Ryan, we got to talk about the defense. There really isn't much to say about the defense, but I'm going to bring up three things. Firstly, they gave up 13 points to Howard. You can take about that what you will. Secondly, they didn't generate a ton of pressure on the quarterback. They had, I think, one or two sacks that I can remember, but they didn't do all that many, get all that much pressure up front. And they didn't force any turnovers. Are these things that you are worried about? Um, I think the pressure on the quarterback thing is a valid concern, if nothing else. Um, You know, we'll obviously see what happens in the next game, and that can end up being, you know, not a big deal. But uh, pressure was obviously with Yannick Ngakwe and Quentin Jefferson last year was one of the big parts of the defense. 
And, uh, you know, we're, we're all expecting Jesse Annabonum to be a pretty capable replacement uh, rushing the passer. So I think that uh, that was one thing I didn't even notice during the game. And then afterwards I was like, oh, wow, that is – it is kind of – it was kind of shocking. But I think that's more of a just we need more information kind of thing. Uh, what, was the, what was the second thing you, you said? The second thing I said was uh, after the giving up 13 points, they did not force any turnovers. And I, um, I don't consider the blocked punt really a turnover, but they didn't force any turnovers. They didn't turn the ball over, which is good, but I, I have a feeling that against better teams, the best chance Maryland's going to have of not getting totally overrun is by forcing turnovers every now and again. Now, as I said, they took a lot of the starters out by the time the second half was done. And I mean, that was DJ Durkin basically calling off the dogs, but still in the first half, they didn't really get anywhere near close to turnovers. That might have been because of what Howard was doing, but... Isn't that a tiny bit concerning that you're not forcing any turnovers against a mediocre FCS team? Uh, not not particularly. I mean, it is. I think it's first of all just a really small sample size. Like you know, you can't just say, "Oh, they didn't force any turnovers in this one game." But uh, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. I think it's. I think it's not a big deal. I think. Uh, I mean, I don't know. The the secondary seems pretty talented to me. And I think it might just have been more of a situation of, you know, the defense just not, or like, you know, it didn't, it just didn't really work out because Maryland's pass defense was for the most part, pretty, pretty good. I mean, Tino Ellis got uh, burned a little bit on a touchdown late, but because he's he, not a corner. He's never played college cornerback before. So uh, I think we can forgive him for that. And I then uh, the, I'm sorry, yeah. I don't expect him to. Yeah, and the um, the like thirteen points to Howard doesn't really bother me. I mean, they're on the second half, and it was just like it it was garbage time, you know, at, by the end of the first half essentially. So that they were playing against like the third stringers at that point. Mm-hmm. Thomas, expand on the pass rush question because I'm I'm a little surprised that the turnover thing isn't getting more play, but the pass rush thing is something that is interesting because Maryland's strength the last couple of years when the rest of their defense has been poor was they could always get after the passer. They had great individual talent, Andre Monroe, Yannick Ngakwe, Quentin Jefferson, these kind of players, and they still have pretty decent talent up front. They have some good linebackers as well. Uh, Are you concerned that they didn't generate as much pressure on the quarterback as they probably could have now? FIU's offensive line is a bit weak, so this could easily change come Saturday morning after the game is done, but are you worried that Maryland couldn't generate a really consistent pass rush? No, not really. Um, I think it's worth noting the defense for the game had nine tackles for loss, and the uh, starting unit had five, I think, in some 25 plays or something. So, I mean, even if there aren't a lot of sacks coming their way, that's still you know pretty effective. They're still getting in. Uh, they forced two fumbles. And so, you know, with the lack of the turnover thing, that's another, um, you know, if they recover both of those, then we're talking about, oh, they are forcing turnovers. So yes. I'm not really worried about any any of that. I mean, obviously, uh, if they still have to keep running t- uh, Ellis out for, you know, big moments, that'll be probably a problem. But, um, you know, hopefully J.C. Jackson gets cleared sooner rather than later, and we don't have to worry about that. I do want to talk about this J.C. Jackson situation. He was very, very quietly 
uh, academically ineligible for the game against Howard. I didn't think too much of it, and I don't think most people did because it's Howard. But it looks like he's probably not going to play on Friday. He is not listed on the two deep. The academic issue hasn't really been sorted out yet. Uh, is this something that we should start to be worried about, Ryan? I don't know if we know much more about the situation. I don't think we ever will. But are we starting to get a little bit concerned about this uh, this pending issue? Um, yeah, I think it's fair to be, you know, like a little bit concerned. Um, he wasn't on the depth chart this week, and DJ Durkin hasn't ruled him out for this week. But the fact that he's not on the depth chart to me seems like he's probably not going to play. Um, I think he'll be back at some point, and it's really just, hey, can he be back before Maryland? You know, like Maryland can probably su- survive with him, survive without him for, you know, until after the Purdue game, although you really would like to have him just to be sure. But uh, if Maryland could probably, like, be without him for, I want to say, the first four games of the season, and I have a hard time believing he'd be out longer than that. I really, I mean, and if anyone else knows, like, I don't, like, there's no, there's, like, no timetable on when he would be coming back. And they're usually quieter about these sort of issues. They've been very, this staff's been very quiet on injuries, been very mum about it. You can kind of get hints here and there, like Caleb Rose back on the two deep this week, so it's clear he's healthier, and he's back as a backup quarterback, co-backup quarterback, that is. Uh, but with this, I mean, as long as he's back by the Purdue game, I don't think you have too much to worry about, but if he isn't back by Purdue, then you can start to freak out a bit because the depth at corner beyond J.C. Jackson and Will Likely is spotty at best, and there's a walk-on starting. Now, I must um, say I, that Rayvon Davis me, has been playing well, but, you know. Yeah. I would like to say Rayvon Davis. Well, also, he's no, he he was, he, like, walked on in the spring, but he's on scholarship now. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, he's he played pretty well in the last game, and, the like, the staff loves him. Also, he, I was looking back at the spring game, and he was number 21, and his last name was Davis, and I had no, like, I thought he was Sean Davis again. I had uh, no idea. I guess that's a good thing, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, so let's quickly, before we move on to future, uh, to FIU, I want to talk about Tyrell Pagrom, because I can see in the future, not, the not-so-distant future, potentially sometime in October, when Maryland is not playing particularly well offensively, Perry Hills is struggling, and our comment section, the message boards, and Twitter, and people calling into DJ Durkin's show, uh, tapes at the Buffalo Wild Wings at College Park, are going to start saying, why not start Tyrell Pigrome? Because in his brief cameo that we saw in the second half against Howard, Ryan, he looked really, really good. Obviously, he had that one move where he juked the Howard defenders out of his shoes, and everybody was like, whoa. And he also showed that he has a really good arm. But again, this is Howard. He's still very raw. But... I would be shocked if we didn't see him have a package of plays against FIU and going forward. And as I said, I don't know at this point if he's higher than Caleb Rowe on the depth chart, but you're going to start to see people possibly calling for him to play more, don't you think? Uh, you know, I feel like people probably call for him to start already. Uh, oh, but... I bet this has already happened, but I'm saying that it's going to get really loud some point in October, and it's inevitable because this is Maryland football we're talking about. No, no, I, yeah, no, I understand, no, I understand what you meant. But, um, yeah, I think it's, uh, I, I think they definitely should go with a package of plays for him every week. I think he showed that he's an explosive enough athlete and he's no one dimensional player that, like, you know, like some guys, if you put him in, you know, they're absolutely running the ball. 
where Pigram, you could put him in and still throw some passes. Uh, I think the wide receivers, he hit he hit DeAndre Lane a couple times when he was uh, pretty open in the middle of the field. I think it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what happens when, like, I mean, you could say this about everyone, but I think he's uh, one of the best examples of it. He played very well against an FCS team. I think an FBS team is going to provide more challenges. Um, they're going to be better tacklers. They're not going to over-pursue as much. And you don't know what you're getting necessarily. But uh, he seems athletic enough that he should be able to make something happen no matter who he's playing against. And I think I think you'll see him in there next week. I think this first game was just a nice way to get Perry. You got him like a lot of consistent reps, and that was good. And then you got... Pogrom to do it like you know they each and then Bordschlager you got them you basically just each gave them a section of the game which I think is good um I think that you know now that the plan is probably to have Perry Hills play the entire game that you'll probably see Tyrell Pogrom in there for a couple packages uh here and there I know I asked you about this Thomas when we previewed the entire season but I think the question now stands especially that the flash that he showed was a very impressive flash and one that I think a lot of people are going to take some stock in, not just for the future, but for now. So do you think we see a dedicated package for him? And if so, how many plays do you think he gets on average uh, as we go forward? Um, well, I think we'll, we'll see him probably for about the same amount in uh, the FIU game, like probably about he'll get half a quarter. Um, I think it's really interesting. He came in about halfway through the third quarter, and by the end of the third, he was the team's leading rusher uh, with only with only 53 yards, but still. Um, as the season goes on, I think they'll um, give him some more packages, give him some more opportunities, um, see how his passing looks, and from there, um, you know, I don't know if we'll see him in the – big games against the big teams, but uh, he's definitely, you know, got some lightning in a bottle potential this year and going forward. So let's now start talking about FIU. It's harder to preview a game against a team we don't know all that much about, but thankfully I have a good source on FIU, uh, their broadcaster, so I could figure out a little bit more about them. Now they were at 5-7 and seven a season ago. They lost 34-13 to 13 Indiana. They were, I believe, winning or very close to the uh, Indiana for three quarters and then just kind of fell, uh, fell off the, the track, so to speak, ran out of gas in the fourth quarter. That's why the margin ended up being 21. There are a couple of players, I think, that have been told to look out for. Their quarterback, uh, Magoo, is a decent guy. They've got some good players on offense. I think this is going to be a decent test for Maryland, but I still wouldn't be surprised if they ended up winning by somewhere between two and three scores. So, Ryan... This is a harder game to gauge because it's an out-of-conference opponent we don't know all that much about. So where do you think Maryland's expectations should be for this game? They're a 10-point favorite. I think that seems about right. Uh, but And it's also on a short week on the road, so it's a very difficult situation no matter who you're playing. How should Maryland fans go into this game? What should we be expecting? Yeah, I mean, obviously I'm no FIU expert either, but uh, I think a 10-point spread is pretty fair. I, when I told some of my friends about it, they were like, they were shocked. But um, yeah, I mean, I think the whole like Friday night on the road in Florida is kind of like a weird matchup that just makes you like uneasy. 
And yeah, I mean, FIU, by like Bill Connolly's S&P Plus, they were like the 119th team in the nation. So that's pretty bad. But the score of their game, at the end of the third quarter, when they were playing Indiana on Thursday, they were winning, it was 13 to 12, I believe. Um, Before Indiana just went on a rampage and scored 22 points in the fourth quarter. So I think um, I think 10 points is fair. You know, we don't know what this offense looks like against a capable team necessarily because last year they ran all over Richmond before losing to Bowling Green. Uh, this year, I don't think they're going to lose to FIU, but it's it's not a certainty. I think it could very well end up being more like a 17-point game. But, uh, you know, this this game probably will be pretty close for the majority. Thomas, if you consider Indiana to be on just about on par with Maryland or marginally better if you think they are better, and a 21-point deficit for a uh, win for Indiana, excuse me, you would suspect that Maryland should be pretty close to that, and they have more talent than FIU does, but it, the defense wasn't really tested against Howard. I think they'll be tested here, and I don't think that Maryland fans, you know, when they see FIU and they see, well, the last time Maryland played them, and this was in College Park, three years ago against a team that, I don't know, might be on a similar level to this one. They just destroyed them. I can remember that game pretty well. Uh, It's going to be a tough game to really kind of gauge where this team is because you don't know all that much about FIU coming into it. But how do you think this game's going to play out? Um, I think Maryland goes ahead pretty early and, you know, stays – not quite comfortably ahead, but you know, probably always a possession or two ahead. Um, there might be a scare at one point or another, but um, I think ultimately, you know, they'll probably put it away early in the fourth, and then that's when we'll see uh, the likes of Pegram, Bordenschlager, and all the freshmen and backups on offense. Ryan, what are you most looking forward to with this game? Because I, I still expect we're going to see a lot of mixing and matching with personnel. I still think we see a good number of running backs, a good number of receivers, uh, even though this game is against a much more quality opponent than Howard. And as I said, I also expect the Tyrell Pagrone package. But do you think that this game is going to be a better indicator of what we're going to see from Maryland throughout the season? Because, again, you can only take so much from a first half against a bad FCS team. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's weird because for a lot of teams, you just be able to say, well, it, you can only take so much from a matchup against a not very good FBS team with FIU. But I think this will be like, this will be more with the team. Obviously, this will be more of the team that we're going to see all season. It'll, uh, I think they'll probably have to do what they want to do offensively, you know, the entire game. It's very possible against Howard they were keeping a lot of tricks stashed away because they knew they wouldn't need them against FIU. They might, we might see a lot more will likely. We didn't uh, see any of that on Saturday. And I, I assume that's because they were wanted to protect him. He also didn't get a chance to return any punts. So I, I think that we might see more of will likely on offense in this game. Cause that, that, I mean, it sort of felt like a distilled essence of Walt Bell's offense rather than Walt Bell's offense. Yeah. I mean, uh, we still got, will likely had, uh, one carry and was on the field for I think around five plays. Um, but and and to be fair, you know he's pretty effective as a decoy too because when you put him on the field, everyone's going to be paying attention to him. But um, yeah, I think 
if if last week was a sort of Walt Bell light offense, this year we're pro- this week we're probably going to get the full thing. So Thomas, I, I guess now we got to ask uh, the predictions for this game. As I said, it, it's going to be harder because this is again it's a weird team on the road on a Friday night. Situation is not one that's going to be replicated anytime soon for this team. I said somewhere between probably 14 and 21 is where I think it ends up. I think FIU will definitely give them a scare, and people are probably going to underrate FIU a little bit just because it's FIU and not a little bit of a better team and a lower lower tier of a better conference. So how do you think this plays out? Um, well, I think Maryland jumps on them uh, early enough and then, you know, kind of goes back and forth for a little bit, but I don't see Maryland ever really trailing by too much in this game. I have 34-17 as my final score, um, and I might uh, change that one way or another, um, probably to 34-14 if J.C. Jackson plays and plays well, but we'll see. I don't think I, I still don't think J.C. Jackson plays, and Ryan, I, I guess for you, you think. kind of think in the same way I do, is that it's going to be closer-ish, and I don't think Maryland's going to fully blow them out but I think that there's a likelihood that they win and they win fairly comfortably in the end, and the score might be a bit of a bad indicator of how much of a test Maryland had. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, with the Jackson thing, I think he probably won't play, but, you know, who knows. And, yeah, I think this will be a pretty good indicator. I, I'm, I'm excited. I think it'll be a fun game to watch. I do want to say to everybody on campus, sorry that it's on CBS Sports Network and you do not get this game and yep. basic cable in the uh, in the dorms that happened a couple of times in the past, but it's still better than trying to fish around for the uh, Bojangles Network games. I must be honest. I think they stream. Actually, I should have checked this before the podcast. I think they stream online. I shall check that for you right now. I have the sources. I think you can watch it on CBSSports.com. It might be a bit of a delayed stream, but I think you can watch it there. Of course, you can also go tune in to listen to Johnny Holiday and Company and WMUC Sports if they're sending people down there. I went to Iowa last year, so I would assume they'll probably send people to Miami. It's a lot nicer than Iowa, I must be honest. Uh, So it's going to be a bit of a tricky game to watch, but if not, go to Bentley's or go to Cornerstone. They'll have the game on. And I do want to say something briefly on this whole crazy weekend of college football. We were all watching the Notre Dame-Texas game on Sunday, and a reminder to all of you, this is the prelude for when DJ Durkin's team next year on opening weekend, goes into DKR Memorial Stadium in Austin and beats Texas. And that is the real arrival of Maryland football back on the national scene. I can see the whole scene playing out. Thomas might be covering that in person. Ryan, who knows? We could all go down there and have a good good weekend because, I mean, Austin's fun and then Maryland's playing at Texas. That's not going to happen very often. But, yeah, it's going to be great to see Maryland beat the Texas at this time next year and then announce their arrival in the college football scene. Uh, yes, that would, that would certainly be great. Um, if you couldn't would, tell, I'm joking mostly, but you know, cause we're already I, overrating Texas a bit, you know, time for me to overrate Maryland a lot. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, Texas, Texas next year could be just absolutely terrifying. So yeah, but so could Maryland. I don't know. I mean, uh, <laughs> again, it's, it's all, it's all in good fun, but I do say, I'm starting to think about next year because, again, this year is going to be what it is, but you're playing against Texas. That doesn't happen very often, and it's incredibly exciting just to think Maryland's going to do that next year. And 
boy. I mean, there aren't you're not going to get many of those crazy out of conference games anymore, and because now that there are three of them, and Maryland doesn't usually schedule on that level, but playing Texas on the road is going to be a lot of fun. Is there anything that I missed, Ryan, that we should talk about that I forgot? Um, no, not not that I can think of. I think we're pretty comprehensive here. Uh, just another reminder that this game is on Friday. Uh, Do not forget that it's seven thirty on Friday. No. If if you're the kind of person who's listening to this podcast, then that was probably oh, the most. Oh, you're not. You're not. But you, you're the kind of person who was probably wondering how to watch the game if you're in College Park and you don't get CBS Sports Network on TV. That's understandable because everybody does. I remember a game a couple years ago that was on CBS Sports Network that you couldn't get in the dorm rooms. College students are creative in finding ways around the rules, let's just say. So I think... There won't be any issues finding it somewhere to watch. But anyway, Thomas, did I forget anything that you wanted to bring up? No, I don't think so. Um, just, yeah, remember, games on Friday. Don't tune in noon on Saturday to BTN and be surprised when you see Maryland score as a final from Friday. Or when you see Howard Rutgers. Yeah. But hey, if you enjoy, see Howard Rutgers. enjoy the fact that you can watch a whole lot of other games on Saturday. Uh, yeah, I mean, you want to watch Maryland's yeah, next opponent, UCF, get absolutely housed by Michigan? Make you feel a little bit better about yourself? Well, there you go. That'll be Saturday when Maryland normally would have played. Isn't it, isn't it just wonderful? Sort of. Yeah, it'll be nice to get the noon time slot back. I missed the whole uh, Houston-Oklahoma game because I was working. Oh, they didn't have the extra TVs was... on in the press box to watch it? They yeah, used, they them, used to do that. Great, man. Uh, they had them, but they were on the Michigan game, yeah. Oh, come on. Really? They yeah. got to do better in the press box. Come on. Anyway, not, not like it matters. Thank you uh, for listening to this show, of course. Reminder, rate, subscribe on iTunes, all the fun stuff. And thank you to Ryan and Thomas for both being here. It was great to have you again, talking about FIU as much as we knew. Great and, to be here. Well, well, we'll try to do better for UCF next week. We might know a little bit more about them. Well, well, we can try to, at the very least. Uh, hope you enjoyed listening. Enjoy the Friday night football for Maryland. You don't see that very often with this team. Uh, but, of course, go Terps.